Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds Warren Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before you start today, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. And of course, read us over at IndieCornrows.com. I am really psyched to be joined by a good friend of mine, uh, someone who covers and follows the Detroit Pistons over Detroit Bad Boys and is also maybe the best dad in the world. Got to be up there. Uh, Lazarus Jackson. Laz, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I, like, I don't have any mugs that say like I'm the world's number one dad, but I definitely should get some for Christmas. That should be like my Christmas yeah. gift to me. It's like I'm amazing at this. <laughs> yeah, self-entitled number one dad. Uh, <laughs> right. Hey, as soon as Chance is old enough, he'll get you one. It'll be great. Um, I'm yeah, looking forward to fun. it. Yeah. Have you seen that? Uh, like that Google uh, Pixel Six commercial with the, the brand new dad, like taking a photo of his kid for the first time. I think I have. Yeah, um, I, like that commercial like hits me like so hard right now. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Like me, me and the wife are both like bawling the first time <laughs> we saw it. We were like, "Wait, it's like this is his first picture." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're uh we're 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 doing good we're happy to be uh happy to be parents chances gonna sleep through this entire thing and it's gonna go off without a hitch yeah 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 hopefully um well i mean obviously this season has been uh definitely not going off without a hitch for the pistons um part of the reason i really want to talk we're not really going to talk about the pacers much uh because i just want to gauge your perspective with the pistons uh a lot of people are coming at this with, uh, you know, like I've seen, and I get it to a degree. Obviously, the Pistons are three and ten; they have the worst net rating in basketball right now. But they're also kind of supposed to right now, so you know, whatever. But um, I've seen a lot of people come at it like, okay, this this team just doesn't really feel like they're geared that well to develop the the, the players on the roster. Where are you at with that? Because I I'm kind of mixed. I feel a little bit differently in the middle. I think part of it's tough. I mean, Kelly Olynyk's been out for like half the season now. That plays a factor. Um, but to a degree, it does kind of feel like there's a little bit of a lack of veteran talent. But how have you felt with the initial uh, development process going on this year? Uh, it's interesting. So, like, there's two parts of it, right? Like, if if you're talking about, like, the Cade thing, like, where people just want to see Cade at, like, Luka Doncic levels of usage running 80 pick and rolls every 100 possessions, and, like, that's not happening. And so they're uh, – uh, frustrated with the Pistons viewing experience is like then in that case like yes like that did that quote-unquote development is not happening so that's quote-unquote bad but um yeah the the team is not particularly good defensively they don't have a lot of like they have their stuff wondering why they're not scoring at a rate commensurate with last year where like they still had at this time last year like Derek Rose and uh Blake Griffin and like even again uh, DeLon Wright, who just like settled a lot of things that they just like don't have that kind of guy anymore. And yes, yeah, so it's been it's been interesting to kind of watch that outside. Oh, it's like, well, you drafted him number seven, like you kind of need to it's like figure out what he's got and see if this like pairing can work. You have to give it like, you know, you have to give it half a 
season at least to see if these two guys can play together. And so far, the results have been mixed. I think uh, I think the team like the team clearly has, is having troubles scoring the ball. Um, part of that is definitely because they have a lack of guys who can like pressure the rim in the half court. Part of that is the offense that they were running early on this season. Like it was more of a motion based offense, and uh, uh, you know. Cade's a pick and roll playmaker. Killing Hayes is a pick and roll playmaker. But they were running this like really democratic offense that like wasn't full, taking full advantage of those guys' talents. They started to like turn the dial and and towards like more pick and roll. And that's had good results uh, recently. And then like part of it is just like guys have made shots, right? Like we're right. We're like pretty sure a guy like uh, Frank Jackson is like a league average three point shooter. Like that hasn't been the case this season. It's just like dude. Dudes have to hit shots. And so, like, do I think the proper amount of development is, like, happening? Well, yeah, like, I, I think it really just boils down to a lot of people expected Cade to have the ball in his hands 40% of the time, and that's not happening. And it shouldn't happen for a litany of reasons we can get into, actually. Well, yeah, I think that's a really good starting point because you had a really good po- podcast with Shot and Darenthal from over at the Stepien, former NBA scout, like talking about Cade, and I, I mean, I, I felt the same after watching Cade when he played at Oklahoma State. And, you know, a lot of people who we're friends with that are even deeper in, in scouting um, felt similarly as well. Like Cade is not coming in to be a heliocentric guy. Like he's a guy who can who can run primary offense, but like, no, he's not Luca. Like, okay, <laughs> how many guys are there that are Luca? But like, he's still running, I think, like he's close to like 27, 28% usage, something like that on the year. Um, and I mean, yeah, he's 26% right now, which is highest on the team. Um, like I, I haven't really had any faults with that. And I, you know, it part of it's difficult because you want to see him get those reps, but also I, I just don't feel like force feeding him 35% usage would be a good thing. Like he's not ready for that yet. And, and you've, we've seen that, like some of the things that make him uh, some of the things that make you not want to do that for him in college have like definitely carried over right he still turns the ball over like far too much uh, even for someone with like the the usage that he's got his handle is still like a little loose you can see him uh like especially on like spins you can see him bring the ball like just like a little too far away from his body and like guys can come in on the hedge and like rip him up um and like yeah he's still he's still figuring out nba defenses like uh from like a passing angle perspective some guys are, you know, longer than he expects, quicker than he expects. Like he's, he's, you can still tell he's a very, very plus passer, but like he's still getting adjusted to NBA defenses. And so like, if you put the ball in Cade's hands at like a 30, 35% usage, like he would have a lot of turnovers. And I don't think, um, like, I don't think that's good for his development to, to see him, you know, to see have him like fail like that repeatedly uh, on like purposefully. And it's also not good for like the development of a guy like Killian Hayes, who is having like a very uneven uh, season so far to date. Yeah. But um, is is turning into like a different type of NBA player than I think I expected him to be, but like still an effective NBA player, right? And so like uh, uh, giving giving like del- splitting the ball handling duties between both of those guys is like right now i think best for both of them like will that continue to be the case like three years from now like i don't know but like for now it, it works 
Yeah, I'm there with you. Like I, it's been frustrating because I do think a lot of, um, you know, some of the frustrations seem to come at the expense of Killian and I get it. Like, um, I mean, you know me, I do not like criticizing players, but like, to be fair, he has been really rough in the NBA, but the last like week or so has been really promising. Like watching the Kings game last night, um, despite what the scoreboard was like, that was a pretty solid Killian game offensively. I thought um, like not anything amazing. There's still stuff that he needs to work on, like getting down to down, down, downhill towards the rim would be fantastic. But um, I mean, he's gotten more confident in his shot. The playmaking is still there. And he had De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell in jail a couple of times yesterday, which is great to see. Like he's, he really is like a plus defensive player now. Um, and that started last year. But um, I mean, what have you thought of his season overall and where are you at with, with killing? Because I think a lot of people just tend to, you know, kind of bypass the fact that he was the number seven overall pick last year. And like, I, I don't want to throw out the caveat, like, oh, well, he's still technically a rookie uh, because I know that Detroit has been doing that all year. Um, but there is st- still some kind of necessity in, in talking about him like that because he's, I mean, he's 20 years old, dude. Yeah. I mean, technically, I don't think he's yet hit a like half season's worth of games in the NBA, right? Like I think he's still under 41 games played in his career. And so like it, yeah, he's not a rookie. Like, yeah, he knows what the rigors and like grind of the NBA like entails, but like he also like doesn't just have a lot of NBA experience either. And so like that, both of those things come into play. Um, I've been, I've, I've been encouraged by what we've seen from Killian so far with the caveat that like, he still hasn't been like amazing. Um, and I think part of it is what the draft evaluation was on him, like coming into the draft and like where he is now is uh, it's like, okay, well, this guy's got these six, five, he's got these off the dribble shots. It's like, we, we think he can be this offensive engine. We we think you got like French D'Angelo Russell. Right. <laughs> and like, so far, like that has not been the case. It doesn't look like that's like in his DNA to be that guy. So instead what we're looking at is like, like maybe French Marcus Smart, where you've got like this hellacious on-ball defender and a like uh, Smart's uh, like a, a better playmaker than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. But like Killian is known for his playmaking. And so you get like the, the playmaking match there. And then a guy who is a good shooter, but not good enough to uh, like initiate or self-create like a lot of his own looks, right? It's like that that is how I'm trying to start to think about Marcus Smart or about about Killian Hayes. And it's funny because Smart was, I think, also the seventh overall pick in, in the whatever draft he was selected. And it's also kind of a reminder that, like, hey, uh, you know, if if Killian ends up being Marcus Smart, like that's a hit at that draft slot. Like, you know, uh you, these these draft picks aren't like guaranteed to be good NBA players. And so like getting a, a solid like starter level rotation player out of that slot isn't a bad thing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And also I meant the Toronto game. He was not very good against the Kings last night. The defense. Yeah, was I, nice. I, knew, I knew what you meant. Yeah, I, I, I got a little crossed up there. Um, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Like, I think it's just going to take time. Um, and I'm not just like completely out on the developmental context or however, however you want to put it. Um, like I, it's it's a little herky jerky. Like I even think like seeing Jeremy try and fit in has been interesting. Like I do think some of the process has been good for him, but um, he frankly just has worse teammates this year. Like it's been a very tough uh, tough 
of sledding for him. I, that's not the right analogy. I am so bad at analogies. Every time we pod, <laughs> I pull an, al- an analogy out and it's absolutely horrendous. But um, like you can just tell, like it's just been it's been difficult for him integrating to a team that's like this. Um, like not yeah. to be rude, but he hasn't played on a team that's this young slash bereft of, of current talent since he was with the process Sixers. So um, it's been a minute and and he's still doing a ton offensively. Um, I mean, what have you thought of him and how he's fitting in? Because I, I don't know, like, has it been anything different than what you were expecting or um, what's that been like for you so far? He, Jeremy's been interesting. He's been, uh, he's been much more engaged defensively than he mm-hmm. was last year, which is a, which is a big plus. Um, because last year it seemed that uh, his offensive uh, production came at the expense of his defense. And I think he's done a good job at finding a better balance between those two ends of the court this season. Um, like with that said, it's been really frustrating to watch Jeremy offensively sometimes because uh, he does not, he, he uh, he's counted on to be the like, leading score for this team mm-hmm. in, in a way that like uh like yes Kate's the primary ball handler but like Jeremy's expected to be the guy who like goes out there and scores like 23 points a night like he did last season and you can see him like really take that mentality to heart but it's come at an expense at like the expense of um just like making quick decisions uh, he's attacking a lot in isolation and uh like not not very efficiently and when you have like a guy who's playing slowly and not efficiently and like not really doing a great job moving the ball, but like still you still need him, you still need what he provides offensively, it really gums up the offense, right? He, he's put the ball through the rim sometimes, um, but he's done a poor job of like keeping the offense flowing in, in like a meaningful way. And I wonder if like that's something we see a little bit less of as the season goes on, as the team gets more comfortable, like putting the ball in Cade's hands. Um, I, I do wonder if we see more of an emphasis on getting Jeremy Grant uh, to leverage the advantages that are created to him by like through offensive sets, instead of just like giving him the ball in an isolation or like in a mid post ISO, like 20 feet from the rim and saying like, Hey, go get it. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with you. And I think part of that is going to be um, coming through Cade, figuring out more and, and adapting to NBA defenses. And he honestly, he's done that the last couple of games. Like it's been impressive watching, um, you know, how he started to shift things. Uh, obviously the shot is starting to fall for him now, believe it or not, it, that happens. If if you miss your first 12, you, you eventually make one and your yeah. precedence of being a good shooter comes through um, like 16, five and four, 44% from the field, 41% from three on seven a game. Like he's been, he's been gunning. It's been very fun to see. And also too, like just in watching him start to get downhill out of pick and roll, like um, some of the reads he's making and also just like putting OG in, in a torture chamber. That was amazing. Like that's stuff that, that was fun. I wasn't expecting from him this early. Um, again, you're not trying to put too much on him, but I do think like you've meaningly, meaningfully seen a shift in the offense a little bit as Cade started to figure things more, more out in the half court in like a very quick process. It seems like it's been forever. It's been less than a month of him playing basketball and he's already started to pick things up like that quickly. It's been pretty impressive to watch. Yeah. I mean, they, Dwayne Casey like openly admitted it um, after uh, 
like was one immediate availability. He was like, yeah, we have to run more pick and roll because Kate's here and we weren't doing that before. And we quickly realized like, like that, that was going to be more necessary. Um, but yeah, it's been really interesting to watch uh, Cade kind of start to learn that even though he's not like as big slash as strong slash as athletic as some of these guys, that he can still get to his spots mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and self-create. And so, you, you know, you talk about the, the couple of isolation possessions he had on OG and Anobi. He hit Matisse Thibel with like a super dirty in-and-out dribble in transition a couple weeks ago against Philly. Um, you saw him uh, kind of chicken wing Kevin Durant a little bit and, uh, and get away with it, but still like able that that's one way he's able to attack the rim. And yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting, but like he's learning he can do that thing at the NBA level, right? You can, he's a rookie, you know, you, you don't know necessarily like what you're capable of against other NBA athletes until you go up and try. And he's, he's learning, he's capable. Um, the other thing that's been really fun is like you, like you mentioned, he started really like ice cold from three. Um, I think the, I think the ankle injury was still kind of affecting him on the shot. Shot was coming out kind of flat, looks much better now. Um, but like teams are also learning, like you can't go under on him. Anymore. Yeah. That was one thing that was really apparent in the Kings game. Um, yeah, no, like, I clipped that this morning. I was like, oh, yes. yeah, teams are learning. You cannot go under on Cade. Believe it or not. Yes. He will just like, he will just like take one step back, like rise and fire and like it will go in. And so like that, that's going to really have an impact on like how uh, teams have to defend the the rest, like the other four guys on the floor, which would be, which would be helpful. It'd be nice if, uh, if uh, to have guys like draw defensive attention and make plays off of that. But yeah, Cade's, Cade's been... Cade's been two expectations, but expectations were really high. So that's not a disappointment. People are very, very happy with the Cade Cunningham experience so far. As they should be. He's looked really good, man. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that can bring us to two other guys. First, let's talk Sadiq. Um, so Sadiq, I think he was taking like, yeah, like around 15, 16 shots per game over the first five games, which is before Cade comes back. Um, obviously has not hit from three since pretty much. He didn't even shoot that well from three to start. Um, where are you at with how his, his game has gone? Because I'm not – obviously, I'm not down on it. It's, it's a second-year player. He clearly is trying to workshop a lot more in terms of what he's doing as an on-ball guy, which I think makes sense for what the team is trying to do and, and where they're at right now. Um, but what have you thought of the results and kind of the process, process of how he's getting there? So the results have obviously, like, not yeah. been great. Yeah, not great. <laughs> But I don't I don't mind the process because like this is something that um, like this is something that uh, Dan Favali like asked me like before the season on Hardwood Knox is like should is like basically like should the Pistons relegate Sadiq purely to three and D guy or like should they try and figure out if he has more to offer on offense? And on that podcast, I was like, no, they should try and figure out if he has anything else to offer, because like if he because you, you won't know if you don't try. And if he does, like, that's such a valuable player that, like, you absolutely just, like, have to, like, try and, like, see if that's a thing. Uh, now, I think we're, we're learning that he can do some of it, um, but it should not be, like, the main focal point of his offensive attack. I think um, it's, it's been interesting to kind of watch him learn, like, what he can get away with with, with his size and strength. Um, he's a really strong dude, right? Mm-hmm. But 
he's also like not very he's not very not a great vertical athlete um and uh, that like affects how he attacks the rim in particular and so it's just been like a lot of like turnaround mid post jumpers or a lot of um you know like putting a shoulder into a guy to create space before like putting up like a jump a hook and like I'm glad that he's like learned that there that he can accomplish some of that stuff. There's a time and place for it, but at the same time, like that is that's never going to be like the the bulk of his offense. And right now, it kind of is, and that's kind of a problem. And the other reason it's kind of a it's that's kind of the bulk of his offense is because, like you mentioned, he uh, he's not shooting well from three right now. Um, he was I think like 38, 39 percent from three last year. He's down to like 32, 33 percent last I checked, and. Uh, it's been like his mechanics are like slightly different and, and we're seeing uh, we're seeing like little mechanical breakdowns that we weren't seeing last year. He's uh, there's like a leg, there's like a leg sway in there that um, like wasn't present at all last year. And it's uh, been interesting to watch him fight. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been, it's been an interesting like couple of 15 or so games for Sadiq, but like uh, if, if everything else fails, like, I think he can always just do what he did last year, right? But the point of development is to see if he can go beyond what he did last year. And so, like, there, the growing pains are, like, happening right in front of our eyes, right? Like, it, it kind of, it, that's the, that's the, the thing you, you pay for with the, with the player development. Yeah, no, exactly. I think I'm right there with you. Um, it, again, it hasn't gone perfectly. I, I, I mean, it feels like his handles at least a little bit tighter, but it's still very clunky. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just going to be finding out what what else he can do. And I, I agree. Like, I think I would honestly even want to see him. Okay, take more threes. See what can happen. Like, I don't think his three point attempt rate's up at all um, from last year. I think it's right around the same. Um, or actually, it's it's down. Just just kidding. Uh, he's taking the same amount of threes, but he's taking less of his shots from threes. So of course, it would be down. Um, I'm trying to do mental math on the pod. It doesn't work very well. Uh, but in terms of that, like, I just am excited about what you can see from him and Cade. Like, even though the last two games have not been amazing, like really good game against Toronto, not so much against Sacramento, but like he's playing better. Um, he shot better. It looks a little bit better. Uh, you just see a lot with the starting lineup. That's encouraging. Like I don't have numbers in front of me, but it feels like the starting lineup plays really well together on defense. Offense is still, you know, figuring out a lot there, but, um, you see the bones of it for sure. Uh, yeah, and that translates to Isaiah Stewart because, interestingly enough, I was talking to James the other day, and he said that Pistons fans are like not happy about Isaiah Stewart, and I don't understand why. So please elaborate, <laughs> explain to me why people are not happy with Isaiah Stewart uh, and his development. Because I, I mean, like just in my watching him, I think he's gotten a little bit better as a pick and roll defender this year. Um, like he's still doing the same stuff as a finisher. I wish he was taking more threes, but um, I still feel really good about how he's playing. I mean, he's again, he's 20 years old. I think I was still pretty blown away with where he was at last year. And yeah, he finished the year really well. And you want to see him continue with that. But I haven't really seen anything that's made me disappointed to start the year. Yeah, it's been it's been mostly on offense. And the the team's struggles on offense have been so prevalent and so uh hard to experience from like an, an entertainment perspective mm -hmm. and it was like early on in the season especially uh it was really apparent how much the offense like a switch flipped when like kelly olenic came on the floor 
Yeah. And so it wasn't anything Isaiah Stewart like was or wasn't doing. It was just that like the offense was scoring like, you know, in the 80s and an O rating like in the 80s and like with Kelly Olenek on the floor, like it didn't look like that anymore. It's like, okay, we should do more of that clearly. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been I've been pretty pleased with what Stewart has to offer. Um, I, I, like you, wish he would take more threes. Um, even just like just to keep defenses honest. Yeah. Um, I also think the the motion offense we talked about a little bit earlier under Dwayne Casey didn't really do him any favors. Um, it it like broadened his decision tree uh, a little bit too much. I think he needed to uh, a little be a little bit more deterministic in his play. You could see kind of like you could see him like hold the ball from twenty feet, and you could see the gears like start to move and be like, okay, like who should I DHO? Like, okay, I should like I should dribble this way. It's like I should need to screen and to roll. And it's like, well, you know, you need to if you want to be a threat offensively, you need to be able to look to score. And at times it didn't really feel like he was doing that. Um, but he's been above solid defensively. He's been like really, really good defensively. And um he's uh he's starting to find his way offensively. I think like like everybody else in the starting lineup. Um, but for him in particular, like the return of Kate Cunningham was a real benefit. Um, having a uh, having a guy who both like attracts the attention of defenses and also like is a really good playmaker. He's been a godsend for for Stu, and uh, so I think like that that will be uh, that will continue to be like a good progression. But yeah, it was a, it was like a rough. So like between no Cade and the offense being bad and Kelly Olynyk being more suited to the offense than Stewart. It was a rough like five or six games to start the year for you Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's hard too. Cause like, honestly, other than Kelly Olenek, no, but I don't want to say nobody's played well in the Pistons, but like, it was just a very rough start overall for the entire team. Like uh, just not, not ideal circumstances for how the year started. Um, but again, like, I mean, that's kind of what I expected coming into the year, man. Like this team wasn't supposed to be good. So uh, I'm not trying to like shoo away everything. Like I haven't loved everything that Dwayne Casey's done, but um, it's also asking a lot out of somebody who's been coaching teams to win for forever. To I mean, like we talked about this so many times last year. Like th- that was like the best worst team of all time, largely because Dwayne Casey like grinded them out to having a a, a league average to slightly above defense for most of the year. Um, like it, it's just this is a very different roster. Yeah, and because a lot of the the players are the same, right? Um, that we we didn't talk about this during the offseason, but like they they there's a lot of roster continuity between this year or between this year's team and last year, right? It was like you know, Killian was here last year, Sadiq was here last year, Stewart was here last year, Jeremy was here last year. Most of the guys on the bench, like Corey Joseph, Frank Jackson, like they were here last year. So it's like if if, if you're just like oh like it's the same team as last year, but they added Cade. Like I understand, like why the expectations were like a little out of whack, but uh, what they ended up like, what they lost in so much uh, like veteran presences, right? Was uh, they lost a lot of minutes of competent basketball, mm-hmm. and like with so many young dudes, they they don't always have that, right? You could really see that in the the Sacramento game, like the the first quarter, just like the game got entirely out of hand, and they managed to like put it back together. They managed to, I think. Uh, I think they lost the other three quarters by like only three points. 
was like uh the first quarter just like really sunk them and it's just like they they'd also like didn't have the experience to kind of like work their way back into the game either right and so like a you know a last year where like that may have been like a more competitive loss like this year is like a 20 point loss and it's just like eh, like this the where you're you're going to have to be fine with that if you're a pistons fan like this season because that's what it's going to look like it's worse yeah. it's different but it's worse Exactly, because like so many, like you're mentioning, like so many of those losses came like later in the season. Like, okay, DeLon Wright getting traded was honestly huge. Like, he wasn't great in Detroit, but I think he was better than people gave him credit for, if we're yeah. being honest. Like, of course, Corey Joseph came in and had like some random monster game, and it looked like very different on, on paper. But um, like there were so many times last year where there were he really just came in and stabilized things. And even, even if he isn't great, like he's – neutral which counts for a lot in the nba um same thing with mason Plumley. like as good as isaiah stewart was to close the year and will be moving forward like okay mason was still their best best most consistent defender on the back line last year for at least a lot of the year that doesn't mean he was good but like he was solid um and he did a lot as a role threat too that i think opened things up for the offense and was important in some ways even if the offense wasn't great like you had that and by the time a lot of the vets were shipped out. Okay, well, Sadiq is already in midseason form because he's been playing in that role for forever, and it gets ratcheted up a little bit. But um, I think some of that got kind of paper macheed over because of how much there was a boon in the in the beginning of the year, like with how well, um, I mean, Derek came out and played, and and how everything else was going. Like it's just yeah, there was there was a lot more there to start the year than I think people are giving credit for. No, I totally agree with you. And you you mentioned Mason Plumley. And it's really funny how, like, I didn't mind the, essentially the uh, Mason Plumlee for Kelly Olenek swap, but it has been very noticeable this year that the Pistons don't have anyone who does what Mason Plumlee did and how, like, that's proven to be kind of an issue. Like, Kelly mm-hmm. Olenek is hurt right now. And so, obviously, like, uh, you know, not having Kelly Olenek also hurts in this regard. But uh, between uh, like Isaiah Stewart, Kelly Olynyk, and uh, Luca Garza, the Pistons don't really have a like a rim runner or like a lob threat of uh, of great renown. Like Stewart can't catch lobs, but he needs time and space to load up, and he's all, he's not that tall, and he's not super bouncy, but he's got a nice wingspan, and so um, he he's a, he's like a good lob threat, but not a great one. Like Plumley was Plumley was a better lob threat. Uh, just because you could get off the floor a little bit faster. Um, and you you see that, especially like with Caden Killian, like it would be nice for them to have a, like a JaVale McGee type to run these pick and rolls with, because like presumably that's going to be something they're, they're, that they're able to take advantage of in the future when the roster changes. But, uh, and like, that's something that classically goes with like, you know, you have a pick and roll, uh, guard or forward you pair them with like a pick and roll dive man and then you kind of go from there mm-hmm. and uh not having that element has been like really noticeable at times for this business team um, yeah definitely it is it is weird how much i've missed mason Plumley sometimes. <laughs> we almost got you jericho sims last year but uh oh, no we jumpy jump this close yeah this close uh he honestly would have been really nice for this roster too um i would have loved him on this team but as much as you talk about isaiah stuttering a little bit with with the ball in the half court jericho cannot touch the ball without it kind of dying so um but uh, alas well i i do imagine a jumpy jump guy does come in soon that, that is uh, actually i'm pretty sure i did a uh 
I did a um like a a draft guide headed into the into the draft, and I remember quoting one of your tweets because you said we need a jumpy jump guy for the for the Pistons, and uh, that was what I used to describe Jericho Sims because that was, that was literally that was him <laughs> last year. Um, yeah. but well, Laz, this was absolutely awesome, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. I feel like. We have a much better idea of the Pistons, or at least for people who are not sickos like me who like watching the Pistons still. Um, you guys have a better indication now of what you've got coming in. The one last thing I do have to say, though, free saving Lee, that man is killing the G League, like quite literally destroying the G League. Yes. Um, taking off the dribble jumpers, like what the hell? Where is that coming from? I'm glad, but uh, please come save save the, the Detroit second unit. But uh Blas, do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to mention before we got here? So on the Saban Lee thing, um, I, I wrote this before the year about Saban. I was like fairly certain that they like all signs are pointing towards like Saban's going to spend a ton of time in the G League. I was like, mm-hmm. I was cool with that specifically because of like what's happening now is like the, I think in Saban's last game, he was like eight of 13 for three. And we're like, whoa, that's crazy. Like he couldn't do that last year. That's nuts. And it's like, yes. There's also like if he was playing for the Pistons, there's no way Dwayne Casey would let him take 13 threes in a game, right? It's like the G yeah. League is this perfect playground for a dude like Saban to kind of explore the studio space and figure out like what he's capable of. And it's like he couldn't do that on the Pistons. So just like let him let him do his thing a little bit. Um, like he he'll still be there in like January, right? <laughs> like there's no there's no rush. But yeah, Saban has been absolutely decimating the g league i think it, it might get to the point where he has to come up just because like he, he might not be learning that much but the the off the dribble shooting being such like a key thing for him is so because that's so important i think that's something that they can just like instruct him to continuously work on and so like i'm, I'm less worried about that but yeah no thanks for having me on mark i really appreciate it um people can follow my work on twitter at last chance at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. And also read Detroit Bad Boys uh, on, at DetroitBadBoys.com. Um, I'm writing way, way less since I became a dad. How but, dare uh, you? But the, but the podcast sustains me. Well, that's uh, honestly, I think that's why podcasts were invented. If you don't have time to write, podcasting is a fantastic way of doing it. And I've been forcing myself to write more because I do actually have time to do it. Um, and, and you've been crushing it, man. I've been trying my best. I appreciate it, last, But um to everyone listening thank you for listening go follow laz and everything he's doing and most importantly just have a good rest of your day